These are Grindstaff publishing audio files. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining me on the Grindstaff Publishing Podcast. This, this episode will be focused on Poland, the discussion of Poland. And um, like always, hopefully you've had a chance to listen to the, the audiobook chapter of Poland. So I'm going to jump right in. Poland was interesting because it's uh, um, it was my entrance into the great Eastern European realm. Um, as far as Eastern, Eastern European countries go, it wasn't as far east as, you know, obviously possible, but it was interesting because it was the first country that gave me trepidation on wanting to go out there and, you know, go to it. So going from Germany, um, from Berlin to Dansk, which is in the north of po- uh, Poland, um, it was interesting because the, the bus ride over there was full of characters. So first off, the bus drivers, there were two of them, um, were these two middle-aged guys, Polish guys, that smelled like stale coffee and um, cheap cigarettes. So that was who was driving the bus, chattering the entire time. It was an overnight bus. Um, behind me um, on the bus were all kinds of people. Um, so it, it was one of those times that was super interesting because you got to really hear and see and feel just how the the cheaper travelers were were traveling and the people that were more local and you know, they, they were actually going from, from one place to the other. That's a, a, like a very normal, you know, normal thing. It wasn't like a trip. It wasn't like a, like a vacation. So it was, it was the first time that I ever felt like kind of sketchy doing it um, in the traveling portion of it. But it was, it was all great. It, it was a, um, I, I got some sleep on the trip over. Um, but mo- mostly it was a, a really good time of just kind of like relaxing and just getting that, getting that mindset going that I was going to a place that I wasn't really sure about. Um, I, we arrived in Dansk, um, at about five 30 in the morning. Um, I had not planned on getting there that early. Cause again, I was really bad about, um, any kind of, you know, looking at a plans, even though it was, uh, in these situations was pretty critical because what the hell am I going to do in, in a brand new city when it's dark out, it's five 30 in the morning, freezing cold, like literally freezing cold. And, um, and then it's just like, okay, well now the bus is off. I'm off the bus and now I'm just going to do whatever. So, um, I kind of was a little, a little panicky, went right to McDonald's. It's, a, it's like a, you know, the, the place that was warm, open and familiar. So I went there, um, kind of gathered my thoughts, had some coffee, had some breakfast. And then around seven o'clock, um, I, I ventured out into the, the old town district, the historical district of Dansk, which was drop dead gorgeous. It was just like walking into like a, a movie set an Edward Gorey, um, that Gothic, architecture with the the, um, the curve and the peaks and just beautiful pastel colors, cobblestones, er- everything you think about in a, in a postcard atmosphere of a, of a European town that it had it. It was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I, I walked around the downtown area for a while out into um, onto the, the, the main river canal um, with, with the, its famous giant old wooden um, crane from the medieval ages um just just a drop dead gorgeous place people were were kind of milling about it was you know about 7 30 8 o'clock it started warming, warming up a little bit i started getting a lot more you know comfortable to walk around people were out um i think it was like a 
Thursday or it was def- definitely a weekday. So it was a, it was a lot more like the local people that actually live there. Um, so it, it was a very cozy environment. Um, after that, probably around, around, I don't know, 11 o'clock or so, I, I was, okay, well, let's go out. Because the, the old town historical district is, isn't that big. Um, so I was like, okay, well, let's get out and see the real, the real people, the real Polish people live. And so I quickly realized that as soon as I got out of the old town district of, of the, of Dansk, it, it, w- it went right into my preconceived notions of like, oh man, like this is like cold war, cold war era buildings from the fifties and just a lot of poverty, a lot of people that were not, not doing well financially. And it was just right outside of the downtown district district. So it was so interesting to look back and think the river really did separate. So if you were in the old town district, you were probably either a, a shop owner, um, more on the wealthier side of things or a tourist. Because of that, everything catered to the tourists. So if you want to have a nice dinner or whatever you have, have you, um, that was in the old town district. But once you crossed the river, um, it was it was immediately into the normal people, you know, kind of blocky, gray, brown colored um, old buildings and just not the best area. Um, I kept walking. I, I didn't even know what to expect. I was just kind of like, okay, well, I, I have to burn burn time until about three o'clock when I can check into my hostel. So I kept walking, um, saw a couple guys. I lo- Looking back at it, it definitely were, were, um, had a, a small little drug deal going. Um, they kept looking at me as I was passing. I was like, ah, crap, like now, what, now what's going to happen? So then, then, then one guy that got the package was kind of following me, super shady looking guy. And I was like, ah, crap, well, what am I going to do now? And so I kind of, you know, started ducking into different alleys and stuff, trying to get him back to the super tourist area of the old town. And he kept following me, kept following me. I was getting panicky. Um, I mean, look, it, it could all have been in my head, but just in, in that environment, being totally alone in this new country, new city, new everything. And I was like, I, I definitely do not want to have any kind of confrontation about this guy. I don't care if he's doing whatever drugs he's doing. That's on him. Um, and so I kept darting around here and there. And then finally I, I popped into like this, um, this, this little restaurant, like in the heart of the, um, tourist district. So that way this pretty, it's getting busier at that point. And then I ducked in and then he, I, I didn't see him ever again, luckily. So, I mean, it could all, again, could all have been in my head that I was going to follow, but maybe, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, after I had some lunch and kind of decompressed from the, the morning situation stuff, um, I went out to search for my hostel, um, like a very common theme in this book that seems to be keep, keep on, keeps on prep, uh, coming up is that um, I just don't plan well for the distances. And so I, uh, what I thought was like, oh yeah, like the, the, the hostel will be pretty close to the downtown area where I am. Well, it was actually like three miles along a super sketchy like trail that was, that was really just terrible. Um, they're like grass, grass areas. I, for part of it, I walked on the railroad tracks. I was like, well, my map says this is the fastest way, so I want to just walk on the, you know, walk on or right next to the, the train tracks. And so, I finally got to this, this really cool little, uh, well, not little, I guess, big, big yellow house that was, um, sorry, um, big yellow house that was uh, just, just beautiful. And so I, I, wa- I walked in and it was greeted by this older woman, and um, I told her who I was, my, I showed her my, my passport and everything, and she insisted on me calling her mama which made sense because the hostel was called the Mama and Papa Hostel. And so I thought it was in reference to the 60s band, but whatever. Um, so Mama kind of showed me around. It was um, 
the the first floor was like a kind of like more her office where where her and her husband Papa lived, uh, and then once you got to the second floor up this really narrow staircase, um, was like this more common room area with um with bedrooms kind of shooting out from that. The third floor, um, the final floor was um was what where the kitchenette was, a couple of the the um the single rooms, um and the TV area that kind of thing, and so it, it was it was really a, it was really my my first like that kind of hostel. So that, that was nice. And it was, uh, it felt very, very cozy. Uh, she showed me my room, which was, um, which is cool because it was, I walked in and there were a few people my age kind of talking about stuff, looking over a map and there were three bunk beds, you know, in, in that room. And she left me there with people. I, I immediately started conversations and it was funny because looking back, I, I, I didn't put it in the book, but, um, it was funny because they were looking at going to a place called hell. And um, I think it was either in Norway or it was on the very tip of Poland. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, I've, I've looked into it. But yeah, but they, I, I just remember them being really excited about going to hell. Like, oh, we're, no, we're, we're planning on going to hell tomorrow. I was like, that's hilarious. And so um, they, most of them kind of dispersed. There is this uh, Colombian guy um, that, I, that he kind of liked, liked me. I liked him. I was okay, well, we'll talk for a bit. Talk for a little while and then... Um, and then he kind of went, went a separate way. And then I just kind of went and found some food, hunkered down and then, um, kind of called it a night. The next day was my first, my first real, like do nothing, but really enjoy that nothingness day. And so, um, I, I met, um, Papa, which was so funny because he was like this, you know, again, probably you know, mama's age. So probably like 40, like late forties, early fifties. Um, very Eastern European guy, you know, bald on top, ponytail, um, little little goatee thing, and very kind of meek and skinny and kind of guy, and super nice, very very nice guy with a very thick accent. And he must have instantly thought I was like this hippie guy because I had my beanie on with my my curly long hair going down to my shoulders, and you know, hadn't really shaved for like a week. So I'm guessing he thought, oh, this, this guy definitely is cool. And so he kind of kind of took me under his wing a little bit for a couple hours and took me outside and was like, oh, like, do you smoke weed? I'm like, no, actually, I don't smoke weed. And he's like, oh, wow, really? And then he uh, he kind of talked to me about music and what I was into. And I, I told him about my music preferences. Um, and then he's like, oh, well, I'm actually a really big deadhead. And he's really into the Grateful Dead. So he he, he was like, oh, I have to show you this really cool thing. And so he showed me his, uh, his Grateful Dead um, concert flag, like basically a flag he made that he took to all of his Grateful Dead concerts back in the day which apparently were a lot of them. Um, and, I, and then I was like, well, this is perfect because my, my Alaskan fishing boat captain um, was, was, is also a humongous dead fan. So a lot of the time that I was on that boat fishing around Alaska, he was pumping out Jerry Garcia in, in all forms. Um, but, you know, the best was Grateful Dead. So um, Papa and I really got a, got a really cool thing going on. He kept on like being like super confused, like why I didn't smoke weed, but it was, it was just funny. And so, uh, after he kind of did, did that thing, I went back and I was like, well, I don't really want to travel today. I guess I'll just kind of hang out. And so I did, I, uh, everyone, what you went, went their separate ways. And so I had the, the, the third floor totally to myself. And so I posted up, um, I got out my tablet, um, and then I started doing picture stuff, editing pictures, sorting the pictures on stuff. And. I looked over and Papa had this amazing setup of music. And so there was um, vinyl, there were CDs, there were uh, tape cassettes, 
So then I was, I was looking through them, and he had basically the sounds of the 60s, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. But my my eye instantly went to the Doors, and the Doors were my, were my favorite band. Um, I'm guessing they probably still are. I, I love Jim Morrison. I, I love that shamanic sound of the Doors. Um, the older I get, they do some kind of seem a little bit pedantic and pompous, but I do love their music. Um, so, but, but back then at 25, 26, I was really, really, really into them. And so I, I was digging through, I found this, found that. And then eventually I found all six of their studio albums it was super floored. And so I put it on from the very beginning and then just like, just had it kind of bump it along. Um, Papa would come up every once in a while and be like, wow, this is a great song. Like, I can't believe you like the doors. You're, you're so young. And I was like, oh, but it doesn't matter the age. It's just, it, it's just really good music. And so he kept just being floored by me, being like, what is this What is this weird American guy doing? And so basically, I, that entire day was spent, um, you know, just on my tablet, going through the uh, thousands of pictures that I had taken throughout Scandinavia and Germany, working on a, a, a blog that would turn eventually into the book that I'm, you know, talking about now. So it, it was a really cool day, and, and it really showed me that I could, that, you know, as again, like, there, there are so many, like, these first times, like... There, it wasn't my first true like do nothing day. It was the first day where I did nothing but did a lot. I, I I focused on like working towards whatever it was I was doing, finding a purpose in traveling, and not just like I was gonna go see pretty sights, take a lot of pictures. It's like there has to be more to that. Like why am I doing that? Why do I want to do this? And and it really turned out to be a really good thing because that was the first time it, it all kind of started coming together. The blog was kind of coming together, but I always wanted to write more. It's like, well, 2,000 words is a lot for one topic, but I want to write about numerous topics. Why, why can't I just put it, a lot of those you know, topics together? And then adding the pictures to the blogs, and then as I started to draw those bridges, and I was like, oh, man. So looking back now, you know, five years later, it's like, wow, that, that, that was a big deal. It, it really got, I got the, the novel and then the, the photograph book really coming together. Um, that night... The Colombian guy I, I had met um, earlier or the day before had, um, you know, came up with this English girl that he um, apparently had been really good friends with, um, and she had come to visit him for the weekend. And so um, we kind of got to talking, the three of us, um, and she was really cool. She was very spunky with red hair and um, very, very England. She lived in London. She had a really good job. I can't remember what she did, like I think it was marketing or advertising, something like that. But but she was like this early twenties girl that was like just kicking ass and like just doing this really cool stuff, and they had actually met um, off of Columbia, um, off of, or maybe it wasn't Columbia, maybe somewhere else, but somewhere um, in in South America. They had um, they had each ended up on this, this island, and they were they were teaching scuba diving to people tourists, and so then they became these really really good friends, and then. Um, Throughout the throughout their traveling since then, like the few years after that, um, they they had always kind of met up and did did certain things. And so, since the Colombian guy was traveling around and his his destination was Barcelona, um, but he was taking like his time and doing everything. I I think I think he's going to go to school in Barcelona. So it's kind of like a gap year mixed with like a traveling thing, and you know all to kind of get to you know university in Barcelona. And so my my third third night. Our second night in um, in Dansk, um, we were all talking about stuff. I'm like, oh well, you you should go this to this castle we heard about tomorrow. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so we all went to bed. And the next morning, I woke up and we were on a train to um, Malbork Castle. And I'll, I I, can't, I say first so many damn times, but 
it was my first real castle. It was like, holy crap, was like we got there is this gigantic red brick, beautiful castle that was just standing there, just big, looming. And um, we were just going through it. And for me and the Colombian guy, it was a big deal because we had never been to an actual castle. Like Reed and I had gone to forts. We had gone to like a stave church. We have gone to like Scandinavian facsimiles of, you know, castles or, you know, in that fortification genre of things. But I had never been to a place that was like, this is actually a real castle. And so we went, we went through it, we, we kind of toured around, and I spent a little money on, on, on the tour, which is, like, big for me. And, and you know, the, the English girl was kind of like, eh, yeah, it's a castle. But when you live in England, it's like, yeah, you see castles all the time. It's not, not a big deal, but there are no castles in Colombia. There are no castles in America. So me and the Colombian guy were just floored. We were just, it was amazing. We, we came back to the hostel that night. Um, you know, the, the English girl, you know, still wanted to do some stuff, so... We went out and had some beers. We went um, to this like pretty nice restaurant, actually, um, dressed as like, you know, our, our travel gear, which is kind of awkward, but it was it was great. And um, I remember the the English girl um, ordered beef tartare because apparently it's illegal to, to have beef to make beef, beef tartare in uh, England. I'm sure there's a lot of other places, too. But and, and she was just so excited about it because she's also a foodie. And so it's like, no, it's like it's not just ground beef. It's like they, they, it's all this stuff and it's this really, really high caliber of, of beef in the first place. That's why it can be raw. I'm like, all right, cool. And so the beef tartare came as an appetizer and, um, and on top was this raw egg. So we had like this, this raw, this raw ground beef with this raw ass egg on top. And she was like in heaven. She was mounting it down. And me and the Colombian guy were like, I don't, this looks funky, man. I don't know. She's like, no, you should try it, you should try it. And so we each tried it, and it was cold, and it was like you're eating cold, raw beef, which is what it was. And it's like, ah, I don't know. And so that that was a kind of a cool thing. I was like, oh, well, at least now I'm you know, ex- expanding my horizons, I guess, and doing different things. So after we ate, and she had her fill of the, the raw beef, we we went and had a couple more beers and came back to the hostel. Um, you know, they, they, they went to bed, and um, and I was sitting there, Kind of saying about about the next day, and um, this this these two um, young people, this young couple came in. They're probably eighteen years old, English, really, 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 really hard partiers, and they just got back from like a like a big old party, a big old rave, and they had told me about what they had been doing in their gap year from school, and they too had just come back from Berlin, but their Berlin trip and my Berlin trip are very different. Uh, my Berlin trip was like that of a twenty six year old, so. I didn't go raving. I didn't go partying. I, I, I drank with people that I, I had no, I had just met, but you know, never had done like any clubbing yet. And so, but then their entire focus was clubbing and like fun parties and just loud music. And we got to talking in a little bit and they, they, I'm sure they got bored of me and I felt that. And so, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to bed. And I went to bed and I was, I was kind of just laying in bed in the dark and looking at, just looking at nothing. And, thinking about stuff and how interesting it was how they at 18 were doing that 18-year-old travel and I was doing my 26-year-old travel and and I just kept going back to how different how different the trip would have been if I had done that at 18 at 21 at you know whatever at 50 um and it it's funny because when you're doing the hostel traveling 99% of the people are under 30 you know, it's, 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 I mean, if you do see a person over 30, it's one person, it's one 
or maybe two, maybe a couple, but it's like, it's like, it is the vast, vast majority are young people doing it on the cheap. You know, that they, they, they don't, they don't have anything time them down. They have very few responsibilities. Um, they, it just, it's very, very controlled environment. Um, so it is like, I'm, I'm thinking about how different it would have been if I were to travel at 18. And I think the very, very, very first thing it would have been was, I don't think I would have been mature enough to, to, um, to make it the three months, to make it the full, you know, 94 days, because, you know, I, it, it would have been so much about like not impressing, but like, you know, fitting in, like going to a, going to the places where young people hang out, which are clubs and they have expensive drinks and, you know, trying to keep up with that stuff, maybe find a young lady and then try to impress her and buy her drinks. And the money would just, just flow. It, it would just totally flow out. Whereas at 26, it didn't matter. Like I, I didn't, didn't want to, you know, meet girls. I didn't want to, you know, go to loud parties. I wanted to talk. I wanted to do, I wanted to experience things. I wanted to meet people. You know, if, if I met someone in a hostel that I, that I like talking to, yeah, I would buy them like, you know, one of the cheap beers and yeah, and they'd probably do the same for me, but it wasn't about going out to like a club and like trying to like have this most amazing time because it wasn't about that. It was about trying to expand, trying to, trying to learn stuff, trying to experience a culture. And yeah, I mean, I, I was super limited. I mean, I, I was staying in tr- tourist places. Then you're not going to experience the local vibe in a hostel because just by the name of a hostel, it's people that are traveling. So there are absolutely limitations. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking down at people that, that do travel differently. As long as you're outside of your comfort zone, that's all I've ever wanted for myself. And hopefully that's what you want for yourself. And it's scary sometimes, but that's the goal of travel. So the next, um, the morning after that, um, I, it was really interesting because it, it was my first bus, um, like first, like, you know, travel, country travel, um, well, on the bus since uh, the mishap in Copenhagen. So I was like, I got up early. I just tracked right to the bus station. I knew exactly where it was. I had scouted it before. I got on the damn bus, and then we, we flew over to um, to Krakow um, on the bus. We didn't fly. We drove quickly. Um, so we got to Krakow. Krakow is in this uh, southern-ish part of Poland. It's um, not full southern, but a lot more southern than Dansk. Um, Krakow is cool because... It's a, it's a, Dansk was more of like a, you know, an older, almost like a living museum situation. Krakow is a very busy city. It's not giant, but it's big. It has a really big old university. So it has a really cool vibe of being a, a, a liberal, a liberal big city with a, with an old college in it. So it was a very, very fast paced, very cool, cool place. The hostel I chose sucked, but whatever. Um, I got there. Um, there wasn't a whole lot happening that, that first day because it, it got pretty late, pretty fast. Um, just kind of walked around, saw some stuff, had some food. Came back to the hostel. Um, There's a gigantic common room, which was, was probably the best part of the entire process of that hostel. Um, and, and so the, the two weeks had been up since um, since I lost my bag in Iceland and my, my backpack. And so it was kind of like the now or never thing where um, after two weeks, um, I, um, Iceland Air said that if we if we if we if you haven't heard about your bag if we we have we have not found your bag, this is basically the time to have, file a claim and then go through that crap. So I was all I was all nervous, um, and so I I, I pulled up my email. I was like, okay, one guy one eyed it. Like, okay, what's gonna happen? They had found the damn thing. They had found it like the day after I left Iceland, fourteen days earlier. Um, 
And so, I mean, I love Iceland Air. Not a, not a knock on Iceland Air. They're fantastic. But in my hungover as shit stupor, um, I must have messed something up or whatever happened in that transaction. But basically what happened was my giant bag went into the oversized luggage place and then it just didn't get on the damn plane. Um, so for two weeks, it had just been hanging out in, in the back of the oversized luggage place, 10 feet away from where I had dropped it off. Um, why they didn't contact me, why nothing, why I didn't know for 14 days, I don't know. Um, it's an airport, it's busy, so I'm not saying I'm the only person that flew that day or since then, but I mean, it's just kind of like, what the hell? Um, so luckily they had found it. They asked me, oh, what do you want to do with this, this bag? You, do you, we'll send it to you. Um, but I'm like, I have no idea where I'll be. I don't know how long it's going to take you to get it to me. So I was like, you know what? Let's, I, I've gone this far. I've gone two weeks with my, my tiny little backpack. Just ship it to my, my mom's house, her permanent address in, in America, in Oregon. Just, I, at least that part of this ridiculous thing is, is done. You know, two weeks without a giant backpack is probably better for my back, for my, you know, for everything about me. So it's actually perfect. So looking back at it, I, I definitely am not mad about it. It's a, it was a very good story. It is a very good story, but it was a very annoying, very stress, stressful part of that early part of the tra- travel. So it was just going back to America. Um, I, I, w- I wanted to sleep kind of like, you know, better, but whatever. Um, the next day I, I went through the university. It was big and huge and beautiful. It was wonderful. Um, it felt good to be back in that college environment, that university environment where everyone's bustling around. There's like hope and like there's just something in the eyes of college students on a college campus. Like the ones that want to be there, they want to be there. They know they're there for a reason. That's their job is to learn and to just to, to grow as a person. And so a college, a college town, a college university's campus has a very, very cool feel. And I've always loved that feeling of it. I, I just soaked every day of it up. I also tried to when I was in college. And so it felt good to be back there. Um, just kind of wandered around Krakow. It was a big place. Went through the Jewish district. Um, there's a lot of like World War II situation stuff there. It was kind of always, kind of everywhere. It was kind of like Berlin where there's always kind of remnants of the war, you know, only Poland got decimated um, in so many ways. Um, but the Jewish people, of course, got just totally, it's terrible. And, and, and that history is kind of etched in every little corner, every dark corner of Krakow and Poland in general. So it was really interesting to walk through that. I came back to the hostel. Um, I, 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 I saw a brochure for a tour of Auschwitz and Birkenau. And so I, I asked the lady at the front desk, um, are, are there any spots left for the tour for tomorrow? And she says, actually, yeah, there are. So I was okay. Book me that tour. Went to sleep, being kind of nervous, like, "Oh man, I'm going to go to the the Holocaust. I'm I'm going to look look at the Holocaust. I'm going to look at the face of the ugliest part of World War II." Um, and I didn't know didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how to process that yet. And so I went to sleep. Woke up early the next morning. I was like, "Oh man, like this, like super nervous, super anxious." Um, got on the street because um, there's a shuttle to take us there. Um, the, the, these three, like really, really pretty, like, um, seemed like kind of party girl, partier girls, um, were there. They're kind of like, you know, hung over from that before, but they were excited about going, you know, as excited about going to a Holocaust as possible, possibly can. 
Um, and so the, the shuttle picked us up. We picked up a couple more people up on the way, took off. The guy, the guy driving lowered down a, a, um, a TV screen from the, from the top, from the roof of the, um, the van. And we watched this half an hour documentary on the Holocaust. And as expected, super depressing. Um, but it really got us in that mood of, like, okay, you know, if, if anyone's laughing and having a good time, now it's time to som- get somber, get real, get serious. And it worked. Um, so no one talked. We, we got to Auschwitz and it was just like, oh my God, we're, we're here. You could, you could feel that weight. And there were so many people swirling around. Um, everyone was in a, a tour group. Um, we, I got put in mine with, with the security. We walked underneath the, the famous gates saying in German, work shall set you free. I will not try to pronounce it in German. Um, and just walked into this place of hell. I mean, it, it was just hell. But the tour was so good because it was done by a Polish woman. Um, and, and she was very nice. She was very, you know, somber, but very, you know, very informative. And we walked through everything. We walked through, you know, the, bar- uh, the barracks. We walked through the places where the prisoners were held. We walked through, um, you know, rows and rows and rows of, um, of pictures. Walked through places where there's a bunch of hair piled up. There's shoes piled up. There's eyeglasses piled up. Um, kept going and looked out windows and saw the barbed wire and just really immersed. And the tour was so good because it just really immersed you in that of, of how, of how it would have been a very slight, a very slight like glimmer of how it would have been to be in that um, environment, not even touching on the emotional, you know, baggage that would be if you were a prisoner there. Um, but just kind of just put you in, in like that, in that light for just a, Quick second. Um, the tour ended by going through the gas chambers and um, um, the crematorium. Then we all came out, and there is just nothing. There is no one said anything. Everyone had the exact same look on their face, like we just got ran, ran over by a historical steamroller, and it's like wow, it's just heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, we all quietly got put back under our shuttles. We went over to Birkenau, which isn't far away. Um, and Birkenau was more like the work camp area. Um, and so we, we got there, we walked along the, the railroad tracks that took you to a, a rail car. Um, the rail car that was, that is there, um, is, I think it was either one that was exact actually used or a replica of the ones that were used. I'm pretty sure it was Uzo and it was a cattle car. So people from all over Europe were brought in on these cattle cars and just a stinking filth, and somewhere there for uh, on this train for a couple of weeks, it's packed, packed in like sardines. And they got there, you know, just festering and barely human. They were all lined up, and the ones that were able-bodied that could work and that could benefit the the German, you know, cause, were said to take off and go towards the barracks, and they were they were going to be working. The ones that were lame or too old or just not seen as fit. We're told that they could go down, just keep on walking down the road, and they, you know, at, at the end of it, they could clean themselves and they could, get, you know, kind of just get back and they, they, they start healing. So they they walked down this this uh, dirt road, and at the end of it, they were uh, killed. And so when these people thought that they had this this glimmer of like, wow, there is humanity left in these people, they just ended up getting killed. And so our tour started. 
by walking the exact same path as those people would have. Um, and it was heavy. Uh, just being in that entire environment was heavy. Um, but in the best way, because a good museum, you know, teaches you not just by reading something or looking at pictures, but it, it just, it puts you in a place where you're open to learn. And, um, we were, we went, we were in Birkenau for uh, probably an hour. We went through like the, the, the just the, the obscenely terrible, um, living places that the, the prisoners were, um, and then ended it by telling, by, by our guide telling us about the, um, the releasing of those prisoners by uh, allied forces. And so we left that place, came back to our hostel and it was just, no one spoke a word on the way back at an hour drive back. Um, we kind of got, got dropped off um, outside of our hostel. I said goodbye to the girls and um, I just walked and it just felt like this gray cloud was over me. I felt like I was in black and white in this colorful world. And I was just trying to process, trying to process. And I was like, no, nah, I have to get, just get back into it. I mean, I knew this was coming and I just kind of walked and I, and I focused on people having fun with their kids and just being with loved ones and walking around doing normal things. I had some food and just walked and walked and walked and walked way up until well, in the dark and started to process all that I'd seen. And, um, and even to this day, uh, if, if someone asked me like, what, what's like the coolest place you went to What's the coolest museum you went to hands down, um, Auschwitz Birkenau, because it, you can read all you want. You can read all the books you want. You can look all the pictures and the documentaries you want about the Holocaust, but being there, thank God that, um, that they kept it because I would imagine that anyone that saw that place anywhere around um, the time of the Holocaust, they would have just burned it to the ground. They would have just bombed it out of existence and said, we don't, we don't want anyone to see this. Um, but people had the, the foresight to be like, no, this is important. This is like the greatest atrocity to humanity has ever happened. Um, or at least if you look at the dark history of humanity, probably one of the top three. And um, we need to save this for posterity. And so it's morbid, I guess, to say that it was the best. I mean, but it was it was the most interesting. It was the most moving. It was the most informational. Er, everything that you want from a museum, it just it was perfect. It had everything there. Um, immensely sad, but fantastic for what it was. And I would re I recommend anybody, anybody, um, not if you have interest or what it, any every human being that's living, it's good to go there because you you it's it's good to see the best in people. But sometimes it's, it's, it's the best to see the worst in humanity and, and then you can hopefully make it, make it better in, in any, any little way we can as people. Um, after, let's see, after that, um, let's see, the next, the next day, um, it was on to the Czech Republic, um, which is now called Czechia. Um, so once again, onto a cheap bus and then went down to um to Chechia um Giorno in, in particular and so that'll be the next audiobook chapter um chapter 10 of the Room to Rome um hope this kind of got a little heavy at the end I'm sorry um started off so chipper um with Dansk but it ended up with the Holocaust so but I guess I, I to not end it here 
Um, Poland surprised the hell out of me. Um, it was a place that it was like this, this curtain of things, you know? And I was like, man, I just don't know if I, if I need, if I want to go over there, if I should go over there, it was scary. I made me okay. And from the minute I got to Dansk, it was amazing. It was so awesome. It was such a different culture. The, um, the, our, our exchange rate for money was amazingly beneficial for American money. Um, because when you get there, it, it's extremely cheap for us. And so if, you know, as that being the most superficial thing to go to a country for, your dollar can go a long ways. Um, but just the, the history of that, the country, the people that I met that were, that actually lived there, the environment, the culture, everything about Poland blew me away. And I was only there for like a few days. And so, you know, just there's, it's not just a place that has, you know, immense World War II history, but it's, it's an old country and there are old cities there. You know, un- unfortunately, quite a few places got ravaged, if not destroyed by World War II. Um, but there are so many things outside of that that are just gorgeous and beautiful. And, and I, I didn't even touch on the natural beauty. Um, there, there's a gigantic salt mine there that they have a huge tour through. They have a, they have really cool, um, cuisine. It was, I mean, I would go out there in, in an instant. Um, if people ask me like, you know, what's, you know, where would you go back? Absolutely. Poland's top three. Um, probably somewhere in Scandinavia for one Spain absolutely blew me away. Poland. I mean, those three, uh, Scandinavia, I guess I'll go back to Norway. So Norway, Spain, Poland, throw a dart, I would go tomorrow. It was so fun, so amazing, beautiful. Um, hopefully you guys like this, the, this format. I'm going to try to be more consistent. And we, ha- we, we have some medical stuff coming up in the future, so who knows what's going to happen with scheduling on stuff. But hopefully I'll, I'll keep on putting out two a week. Um, I, ideally, I mean, saying this with two kids and a wife and a full-time job and everything, but ideally... I would like to put out the audiobook coming out on Monday morning and then the discussion of said audiobook chapter um, coming out Saturday morning. So more serious on Monday morning, fun times on Saturday morning. So that's a game plan. I don't know. This is not my full-time job. It's, I love doing this. Hopefully it's, it's interesting to listen to. Hopefully if, if you've read the book, it gives you insight into what's, what, what I went through. If you haven't read the book, hopefully it gives you travel insight. Um, this is not a travel podcast, but it's, it's, just, that's talking about what, you know, what I wrote about and that's a podcast. So thanks for listening this far. You guys are amazing. Um, thank you.